Money FM 89.3. Best of drive time. You're listening to Money FM 89.3, and it's now time for Under the Radar with me, Chua Tiantian. Stands, parcels, and postage fees. Yes, that's right. We are putting the spotlight on the postal and parcel industry today. And in particular, we want to look at Singapore Post, which has seen a number of developments of late. Now, the company is uh, raising postage rates for postage package delivery and doorstep parcel delivery this year as a result of the goods and services tax hike and other inflationary cost pressures. Now, on the investment front, Singpost will dilute and potentially sell its stake in Chinese e-commerce provider Shenzhen 4PX Information and Technology. But yet at the same time, the firm expects to eventually acquire the whole of Fleet Management Holdings, which is a leading fourth-party logistics service provider in Australia. What are the reasons behind this rebalancing of portfolio and the adjustment of prices? Really, what's next for Singbos? Uh, let's pose these questions to our guest for today, Lee Enkiet, Head Strategy and Programs Office at Singpost. Uh, well, Inkit, let's get started with some of those questions. Most of us would be uh, very familiar with Singpost, but from a company's perspective, appreciate uh, if you could share with us more about your business model and how you position yourself within the industry. Thanks, Tian Tian. The audience might be very familiar with the postal business, but the new business for Singpost might be something that they are less familiar with. I mean, after all, we have been a postal business for 165 years. And so we have been faithful in delivering your mail. Uh, but what is a bit less familiar, but some people do catch on, is that we do have a business-to-consumer business. And some of you receive our packages, uh, receive uh, various other uh, Shopee or Lazada orders into your mailboxes. But I find what is not well-known is that actually Singpost is quite big into logistics business as well. And the segment called B2B Logistics. This is actually movement that is on a large size pallet basis between, let's say, factories and warehouses, uh, distribution centers to even shopping centers. And the logistics business actually makes up about 71% of our revenue in the first half of uh, this fiscal year, uh, 22 and 23. And over 20% of growth we expect from research will actually come from this B2B freight forwarding space all the way up to 2030. So it's a growth segment as well outside of the traditional poster and business to consumer business, the B2B business that we want to uh, capture as well. So in terms of industry positioning, uh, some of the thinking is that within these two segments itself, we want to leverage our differentiated offerings in Singapore as well as in Australia uh, to win business. And then thereafter, expand the relationships to the rest of Asia. And we'll be happy to talk about uh, a bit more about that uh, through the conversation, Tian Right. And uh, Inkit, well, we'll talk about Australia later on and uh, the B2B side of things as well. But first things first, um, maybe settle what's on the minds of some of our listeners, perhaps Singpost raising prices this year. Take us through the numbers also. To what extent will the price hike bolster your top and bottom lines? Because Singpost achieved a record half-year revenue last November. Okay, Tian Tian. Now, um, let me broadly summarise that the rates of selected domestic mail services, and this ranges from your you know, first local out to your registered mail and speed postal and so forth. So there's a whole range and I don't really want to bore the audience. In summary, it's about a $0.02 cents to a $0.10 cents, uh, raise in prices by uh, 2024, next year. Now, although this is time at the same time as the GST adjustment, 
you know, in reality, is, uh, I don't know whether you can remember the last time actually postage went up in terms of uh, pricing. It was back in 2014. That is wow. nine years right. ago. Over that period of time, I think salaries have all gone up significantly. Real estate costs has all gone up significantly. But yet at the same time, you know, only this year and then next year is your postage. And mind you, the postage service that Singapore Post offers is top in terms of reliability globally. And all for that, you know, 30 cents, 40 cents, and of course a few dollars worth of delivery. So I, I do really hope that uh, as we journey together on this uh, adjustments of inflation, that uh, consumers uh, they understand that we have been holding this off for very long, but the price increases this year has actually been uh, quite significant. And so therefore, we, we did have to work with the regulators, IMDA, in order to uh, improve the postage rates. Uh, financially, in the first half, uh, fiscal year no, 22 and 23, I... Actually, I'm a bit shy to say, but Post and Postal actually operated at a loss. So although revenue uh, did hit a record high, it's actually more of the e-commerce volumes uh, that actually contributed to the fact that we are growing. And the rate hike would help support the mail side of the business. Uh, but we really, with mail volumes coming down, uh, it is the e-commerce volumes growth, the parcel growth that will drive uh, the continued growth of the company itself. You talk about B2B. So take us through the number one trend facing the postage industry and how would you assess competition with the third-party logistic companies? Sure. Um, volumes are declining. Cost and labour is uh, rising. So we do have to think about innovation and automation in order to support that growth in a manner that we can scale and cons effectively serve customers and maintain a very high level of quality. Uh, the second thing that's, I think, across the minds of many postage uh, postal companies is we have to go for growth. And therefore, e-commerce is going to be one area that we will continuously need to strengthen. Uh, what is not as well known is the whole sustainability agenda. We absolutely need to get this right because we need to make every delivery count for people and planet. And getting ready for the future means supporting clients to grow their green supply chains it means helping suppliers calculate their own carbon uh, and then account for it in terms of our own so-called technically technical term here, scope three emissions. And then ensuring that our own operations, be it buildings, be it fleets, they are energy efficient. We, we need to replace our fuel-based fleet into an uh, electric vehicle fleet. And then this will require investments. But it would also be a differentiation because I think the discerning consumer of the future, as well as the customers of the future, brand owners of the future, will want a more green supply chain. That's what Hope Sing Post uh, wants to position itself. If you're just tuning in, we're now speaking to Lee Enkiet, Head Strategy and Programs Office at SingPost. Well, Enkiet, uh, I do want to talk about the competition with e-commerce players because there's this thing called make your enemy your friend. And uh, you have invested in some of those e-commerce players and you have you are diluting a stick in Shenzhen for PX information and technology, yet trying to acquire this uh, fleet management holdings in Australia. So take us through some of that movements. So actually, it's a very diverse ecosystem of players. I mean, some of the large online retailers are taking on their own logistics. So as much as they are a client, they are also a potential displacement uh, for us. And not to mention uh, some of the third-party logistics players as well as the uh, tech firms that are looking to uh, fill the gaps in terms of e-commerce solutions. Um, but at the end of the day, I think what Singpost uh, has to focus on is really the last mile. 
we have a differentiated access when it comes down to letterboxes. It is cost-effective and it's actually more sustainable because oftentimes, uh, maybe 10 to 20% of the time, someone is not at home and it requires multiple deliveries and field deliveries is actually multiple times of uh, wasted trips. And actually that's not, to me, considered sustainable. And I think the other area that many people do not know of is that we actually cover more than 90% of the households in Australia through a company called Careers Please that we wholly own. And with that, we uh, can then make sure that if companies want a B to B and then down to C, consumer last mile uh, business, that's where we would be able to differentiate ourselves. So in this whole ecosystem, some of the marketplaces, some of the tech firms will be partners to help us fulfill the needs make sure messaging and the orders get to the consumers. But the other, in other markets, then we will compete. But the market is really growing and it's all about how everyone works with the, each other as well as potentially even manage consumers to make sure that this mode of delivery is the most optimum. I, let me give you an example. We actually started to work with some of the last mile providers, um, which are actually tech players as well. They compete with us on the last mile. Why don't we offer some of them our volumes in terms of doorstep delivery? And then we take on some of the volumes to deliver to the post boxes. And actually that collaboration enables a higher degree of uh, first-time deliveries. And to me, also a positive consumer experience as well. I think in terms of some of the tech firms, tech areas that we want to do, and this is, I will allude to it in terms of FMH. You see FMH, actually competes in the B2B. Sometimes we call it digital freight forwarding space, but they, they really do it on a very tech-enabled basis. There's uh, uh, customers, move, uh, ship what we call traditionally in the industry, shippers have a range of choices when it comes down to what kind of transportation options do they want to pick. And then we are able to support them on making sure that these services are delivered in a timely as well as a cost-effective manner. So that tech-enabled digital B2B uh, management of freight forwarding is going to be an area that we will continue to build up in Australia. And not only that, it's a business model that we think we can uh, bring it out to Asia. We're thinking about tech plays in Southeast Asia a lot more, uh, players that can help us fulfill, especially last mile uh, on a satellite basis uh, in uh, Asia. We talked about uh, how you're expanding into Australia and it does make sense given the footprint you have in there. But uh, why the dilution in Shenzhen 4PX uh, information and technology? Is it a rebalancing act away from China? No, no, not at all. Um, essentially, what happened with 4PX was that it was a good time to unlock the value in 4PX. Now, a bit of background, right? In China, serving the China market, we have 4PX as well as Quantum Solutions. And mind you, Quantum Solutions and 4PX were entities that we had uh, worked with for many years already. Now, when uh, the opportunity came by to actually sell off part of the state, uh, looking at it, really, if everything is exercised, it represented an opportunity to return about $16.6 million worth of retained earnings to shareholders. When we saw the option on the table, we felt that this was a very good offer that we couldn't pass up. And in this day and age, uh, in the terms of the China market, it is still very key. We feel that our presence and operations with Quantium 
our relationship with the existing China players that we have through 4PS and Quantia build up over the years, I think it enables us to carry on this relationship without having to necessarily own 4PX itself. Because the partnership and the collaboration with 4PX will carry on. Uh, FMH, however, is a bit of a different business and a very different tech play as well. And because of that, and our desire to grow more upstream into the B2B space, and then also make sure we extend the business in a growing market like Australia, it totally made sense. And that's why we very carefully but gradually as well up the stake from I think plus 20 plus percent to 51 and now having gained confidence and seen the growth update up to 88 and eventually hopefully uh, lean towards uh, full control. Right and Inkit before we let you go I only have about 30 seconds left but I really want to find out more which are the geographical markets you'll be watching this year what are some immediate plans for you? I think Australia is key revenue and profit is a winning market Southeast Asia, Vietnam and Indonesia, growing markets, growing B2B space as well. Uh, because of China plus one, uh, some of the manufacturing activities might move to these countries. It's an opportunity for us. Technology areas, I think we still need to complement our e-commerce uh, logistics offerings. But also think about it from the trade lane perspective. China into Southeast Asia and Australia. Europe into Southeast Asia and Australia. That's our strength. We always want to be much more digital enabled and that will be an area that we'll constantly look at to build that capability or to buy the capability. All right. Thank you very much, Inkit. That was Lee Inkit, Head Strategy and Programs Office at Singapore Post. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.